Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. And we are recording. Hi, everyone. Good to see you. Hello. Hello. Good to see you all. On, in all of our various places. Are you guys getting snow? Is it snowing there? It's a little flaky in, in, the, uh, in the air. Yeah, I've noticed a little bit. Yeah, but that's true, really. So much of the time. <laughs> Speaking of flakies, let me do the introduction. A lot of flakes in the introductions. A lot of flakes in the air today. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Today, what we're talking about is a story that hit um, the papers exactly a year ago, and there's been a little bit of an update. So, we'll leave you hanging on the edge of your seat until we tell you who is all here today. So, of course, we have, as always, Bill Sutton, very loyal Bill. Hiya, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And Joe Shaw's here again. Hey, Joe. And then I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today is Stephen Coates. And Steve is um, reporter, writer extraordinaire. And uh, Steve, you sort of adopted the Sag Harbor beat again, haven't you? Is that kind of your thing now? I don't, I don't think I adopted it. I think I was assigned it. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't bring it in from the cold? Is that what you're telling me? Steve no. was not given a choice. <laughs> like a lost puppy on the side of got a whole road you didn't like rescue the sag harbor beat uh-huh. we put him on on long wharf and said he's going to cover whatever part of the town you can you can cover in a day's walk that yeah. that's your beat. that's your area very Stephen hawkhouse of you actually yes but that's uh actually kind of i mean you know it's probably a good thing i mean it's better steve than telling him telling you to go like cover riverhead or something because you live in you know that we live closer close. to sag harbor right i am close we are close. And there's so. a lot going on there, boy. Yeah. There is. Exciting. So the news that we're talking about today has to do with the John Steinbeck property in Sag Harbor at the um, end of Bluff Point Road, which is a very interesting but very isolated little road um, that sits on Sag Harbor Cove. And about a year, exactly a year ago, the current owners decided they were going to put the property on the market for, I believe, $17.9 million. And yep. here we are a year later. It has not yet sold. Uh, I believe the price has been dropped about a million point two. That's correct. And there's now a, a new effort, a more organized effort underway to see if perhaps this property could be saved and maybe turned into some sort of an artist writer retreat or some sort of nonprofit use. Um, so the, the last year we talked to a number of people, including Catherine Zoka from Canios Books, who was very interested in trying to preserve the property. And a lot has happened and looks like they're sort of on their way to making this happen. And Steve wrote about this um, in the uh, recent issue of the papers. So Steve, take it away and tell us what is new. Well, what's new is that um, a group has formed to try to purchase the Steinbeck property. They're gonna work with the university, which is uh, uh, as yet unnamed, to make it a writer's retreat. And as well as a, it would be a kind of a limited access museum as well for the public. And the, the, the issue here is that it's, you know, it's they haven't purchased it yet, but they've announced their effort to do so. And they have, 
taken their, their proposal to Southampton Town, which is apparently the town board has uh, agreed to provide some funding through the Community Preservation Fund. And they have to, and then this group has to make up the difference. And the group is, it's sort of under the umbrella of the Say Harbor Partnership. Mm -hmm. But the, the organization is going to be the Steinbeck Writers Retreat. It's going to be the name of it if provided they're successful. So at this point, it's not like a, a new officially incorporated or 501c3, but they're sort of working through the Sag Harbor Partnership, which is already established. Is that right? Yeah, as far as I understand, you know, and, and they may have actually already spun this thing off, but I, um, I didn't, I quite frankly didn't discuss that with the people yeah. I spoke. Yeah, they said they mentioned that there's a university that's sort of part of this uh, conversation, at least at this point, right? Yeah, they'll work together. Yeah. They haven't said, but I guess we can guess what universities might be involved. I mean, we have on Long Island, um, SUNY Stony Brook. Um, we also have Long Island University. Um, you also have New York University in the city. So I guess any of those are possible. But it really could be a university from anywhere in the United States and maybe one that has a closer connection to uh, the Steinbeck family, too. It could be. Could be. So that says University of California at Santa Cruz, maybe. Yeah, um, isn't there one of the universities out there that has a Steinbeck Center already, right? It's on. Huh. Is that the, is that the one, the one in Santa Clara? I don't know. I mean, that's Santa Cruz is fairly close to, I think, where his homestead is in Monterey, but um, I'm not sure. But I think that the house, it's Steinbeck's house out there, is already a museum, if I'm not mistaken. Right. You know, one of the questions I had for you, Steve, I actually didn't even get a chance to ask it on deadline, and I meant to. Um, so Southampton Town is talking about community preservation fund revenues, um, putting that towards this effort. But it sounded to me in your story like the proposal was for the town to actually buy development rights. Right, which is what they, they usually do on these things when there's a house. They don't buy the house. So it wouldn't necessarily be that the town's going to pitch in to buy the property itself. But if the town buys the development rights, in this case that goes a long way towards taking some of the value off of that property, right? Because as it sits there, that property really only has two, two reasons for value. One is the historic value because it's the Steinbeck cottage. And number two, it's a great piece of property to tear down the tiny cottage that's on it and build a massive house instead. And so if the town buys the development rights, that would take one of those options off the table, correct? Right. But yeah, and the, but that's how they work. I mean, they they buy they typically buy the development rights. They don't when it's when there's a when they're trying to preserve a historic site. They don't they don't buy the property. They buy the development rights. Well, when when the town works with like Peconic Land Trust or, or other organizations like that, I think that's what Steve's saying is not yeah. to speak for Steve, but that that's kind of the typical partnership. Is I'm Steve's blaming that that that's. Uh, <laughs> But that's the typical arrangement and that just it just serves to lower the value of the property so that um, this organization or university or whatever can come in and, and have a lower price if you're the property owner you certainly want to get you know the most that you can um, for this property. with that in mind steve it's fair to say that when this went on the market at what was it 17 17 9 yep 17 9 i think we all sort of made a face like 17.9 was a pretty astronomical. I mean, even in the overheated market uh, for that piece of property, right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's an aspirational figure, isn't it? 
Well, it's on the market a year later, I'd say it's an aspirational figure. Yeah, if it, yeah exactly. Um, it's hard. It's hard to figure. I mean, um, the little tiny cottage in front of me sold for a million dollars, and I don't mm. live in a ritzy neighborhood. Um, but yeah, it seventeen nine certainly sounded high to me at the time. And I remember a year ago, everyone I spoke to, you know, in government, thought that it was out of reach to um, buy and preserve. And really, no one really held out any hope that the only, other than that they might be able to pull his writing gazebo off there and bring it maybe downtown and put it in the park or in Steinbeck Waterfront Park or something like that. But there was not a lot of um, there was not a lot of hope that there would be any chance to save it. And I think that uh, credit has to go to Catherine Zucca, who who was on our podcast, and we were all sort of poo pooing the idea, and she was like, "No, you got to save this piece of property because yeah. this." I mean, this guy's a Nobel Prize winning author, and it's the only one around. And once it's gone, it's gone. And to her credit, she did a lot of the, the legwork to, you know, to get this, you know, people talked with people and eventually the things sort of coalesced and they, they, they got the ball rolling here. So she really drummed up a lot of interest. And, and I think there was a petition floating around that just had, you know, a, a lot 32,000 signatures on the petition but but let's face it well, but, I mean and that's you know for that's nationwide but but still when you have that kind of interest and, and pressure that that makes a difference right it's easier to sign a petition than it is to sign a check but nonetheless people were interested you know So describe that property, Steve. There's the the cottage. It's a fairly small cottage, but it does have the the interesting feature is the is the uh, the little outbuilding, right? Yep, and it's um, it's it's technically on Bluff Point Lane, which is a little spur road, very much looks like a driveway. And in fact, there was some concern, I think, early on whether or not it was actually a private street, but I think they've figured out that it is public. Um, the spur that goes out uh, to a peninsula on, on Morris Cove and the property is nice and high, um, surrounded by trees. The cottage is, is I think a, like 1200 square feet, I think is what the, the figure is. Um, it's, it's really unassuming. Um, you know, it's not like going to Faulkner's house in, you know, in, in Oxford, Mississippi, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, but then there's this, this right and, in uh, this outbuilding, right? And 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 this, this walk, yeah. There's there's a there's a a little like a I think like a little bedroom cottage that's tucked away in one corner where you know for a guest cottage, which is really small, like a like a garage. And then there's this little gazebo way off on the point, and that's like the magic place, you know. Where I I, I the first time I visited it, I was with uh, Salim Algar, who was a press reporter back in the early two thousands, and we. I was showing him around Sag Harbor because he was going to cover Sag Harbor and we stopped on the property. It was a dead of winter. No one was around and we thought we got to have a look. So we walked back to the writers into the gazebo, which had a padlock on it. And uh, we're like, oh, too bad. It's locked. But then we got closer. We realized the lock was open. So we looked at each other, shook hands, <laughs> won't touch anything. But we had to, had to well, I actually sat at his desk. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and um, but it was interesting because it was something Elaine Steinbeck had kept it as kind of a a, a shrine. Um 
And I don't remember, I mean, I didn't have a, you know, I don't think I even had a good phone at that time that would have allowed me to take photographs or I, I mean, but I, um, I re what I remember most was faded stacks of faded um, legal pads and big coffee cans full of the kind of pencils that we used to use in first grade, the big fat pencils. And someone told me that he used those pencils because he apparently ripped the pencil in a funny way and he got like weird calluses on his fingers and it was uncomfortable for him to use a smaller pencil. So apparently- Oh, you're talking about the big wide pencils. Big things that are the size of a telephone pole that you remember- <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, oh, I was thinking the, the wider ones, but you're, you're talking about just bigger around. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, it's a really cool piece of property. And you have to remember, it comes to a point too. So you're basically, it's like almost like the end of the peninsula. How many, is it four acres? How much do they have? No, it's, it's, it's just under two acres. Two acres, okay. Um, yeah, so so my question about the whole idea of Southampton Town buying the development rights, because I, I, if I remember correctly, you know, the town was not able to use CPF money to buy anything over appraised value. So I wonder if buying the development rights is like a sort of a different way to give a good amount of money without saying, no, this house is only worth $2 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, the development rights have got to be linked right. to the real value of the property. They can't. So do we think the real value of the property is anywhere near $16 million or is that I mean, because that's the other thing. They're not allowed to, I mean, you know, they can't pay way more than it's evaluated for, right? If it's two acres, would they be able to subdivide that piece of property in theory if somebody would buy it and want to redevelop it and tear the house down? Is it big enough to subdivide into more than one lot? Sure. It's in Sag Harbor Village in the... Um, the, the, they, the, the largest, they have like one, one residential zone and that's half acre zoning. So you could conceivably divide it into, but the shape of it is long and narrow. So I don't know, you know. It'd have I, to be like a flag lot or something. Yeah. I just, I just don't see that. I, it's, I don't see that happening. I, I think whoever buys it is going to buy it for a big house if, if it's not preserved. I mean. Hmm. So, um, so do we have, has there been any discussions with the owner of the property i think it's um it was elaine steinbeck's nephew i believe who owns it now after both elaine and her sister jean boone passed away um but i'm just wondering like you know have has there been any do we have we heard of any communication between him and um the organization or any realtors or anything like that well all i know is that the initial offer has not been accepted so it hasn't been rejected but it hasn't been accepted yet. So they're obviously, I, I, you know, they're obviously, you know, talking with at least the real estate brokers. I have no idea. You know, the, I know a year ago, um, I tried to reach the family and I, they did not return, you know, did not reply to efforts to reach them. Um, so, so this group, this organization that's connected to Sac Harbor Partnership has made an initial offer. Well, correct? no, the no, the town has made it. The, the town, the town okay. has agreed to make an offer to okay. buy development of its only. And we don't have a number on that offer yet. So how can it be rejected if we don't know what that offer well, we is? We know that the, that the, you know, that, yeah, let me just read this from, yeah. So the, the letter that the Sac Harbor Partnership has sent out seeking funds says, you know, we are concerned that the seller of the property will use the offer to encourage other interested buyers to offer a higher price since the offer from the town has not been accepted. So the town apparently has made it uh, an offer. I see, but we don't know that. But 
but we don't know the number. They basically keep that private. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, you know, I'm really curious. I'm not in the real estate business, and I just wonder how much interest there has been in that property. Um, the big question, of course, Steve, is did Steinbeck get a building permit for that gazebo? Because <laughs> that could just, you know, they could just come in and tear that thing down. Pre-existing, non-conforming. <laughs> Very, it's, it's very early in the in the process. To put this into some context, Steve, I think you sort of hinted at it. I mean, you got the Hemingway House in Florida. You have the uh, Faulkner House. Uh, where is that again? Oxford, Mississippi. You've been there. That's right. You've been there. Been there. I think maybe uh, Flannery O'Connor's house might be. And and you know the Steinbeck properties, they they would be part of. The, the really Steve, can, Steve, can you can you describe the the pencils that all of those different properties? <laughs> this would be one of the premier literary sort of places in the United States, right? It would be it would be of significant importance. Yeah, this is a serious piece of literary history. You know, I mean, uh, Steinbeck. And I was very surprised to learn that there have been thirteen. Americans who have received the Nobel Prize for Literature. I always thought it was like seven or eight. And then I started thinking about it and, you know, got up to about nine or 10, but I eventually had to look up the whole list and I could recite it, right? Recite it if you'd like me to. Great. So if every president gets a library, Steinbeck certainly deserves a little museum and stuff. I mean, I wonder if one of the concerns is, I don't know if, uh, if the village board has weighed in on this at all yet, but that it is an odd piece of property and like the idea of a lot of people going down there could be a bit of a conundrum because it is such a small private. Long little... narrow road that you would have to probably walk down or come in a, in a car. Um, so yeah, it's not good. They're not envisioning, um, you know, a, a museum, you know, they're not envisioning, you know, like Teddy Roosevelt's house or, uh, you know, or the Montauk Lighthouse or, you know, or the, even the Parish Art Museum. I mean, they're envisioning a place where, where I presume groups would come by appointment. And it's not, it's not the kind of place that, that's going to lend itself to a big museum. I mean, because yeah. they would, they would, they probably could add on, I suppose. But again, well, they could they could do something similar like they're doing in Southampton Village with with the old um, Paris Pirates Concert House, where where they're going to restore his original house, which was very very small, tiny, and then have um, next door to it some kind of visitor center where you could have a little classroom space or or room for a small group to come in and and learn about about that history. So I imagine you could do something similar here. Uh, exactly. And, and, and I don't know, I mean, and they may, because it's going to be a writer's retreat, that's going to be the first use, but they're going to have to have a public access component to it. So um, it might just be that little house. I mean, I, I got a tour of the house. Um, one time I was here with some other, some, I had some other visitors and I took them down there and, and it, people were there. So I, I asked if I could show my guests the uh, the gazebo, and um, it turned out to be Jean Boone's husband had been cutting the lawn, and he got her, and she came out and actually gave us a tour of the house, which was really cool. But it's a very oh, how very neat, very there. tiny little place, you know. Very tiny. Yeah, it's like linoleum floors, and yeah, it's very much a 
like that's, summer that's, cottage. Yeah, that's the cottage, you know, like a real, and that's what's cool about it. I mean, and I think, I think some of the, yeah, the, the stuff that makes this important, I mean, because Steinbeck's house is in California has been protected. You know, so usually, you know, when you, 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 usually you, you, when you're going to protect someone's house, it's like the, like the house they were born in or raised in, or they were, they really lived in. This was, I mean, he had, a, he had an apartment in the city and he had this cottage as well. But I think what's important about it is that Steinbeck moved out to the East End, you know, at least on a part-time basis in the mid fifties. And he wrote, um, the winter of our discontent in that house. He was living there when he got the Nobel Prize in 1962. That was the that 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 was the departure point for Travels with Charlie, which was a you know very well received book. And so, and and you know, and he as the the the, the partnerships letter, your know, fundraising letter says. I mean, he was part of the community. I mean, he 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 was not. There's there's a lot of people around now who you would never see. And Steinbeck, though, was, you know, downtown, you know, drinking at the bar, shopping for groceries, whatever, you know. He was I remember the- seeing an old photo from the Whale Festival, the Whalers Festival that, that he was, and he was actually part of the Whalers Festival, right? He was one of the Yeah, he was one of the founders. There's actually, if you're, next time you're in Sag Harbor, if you hit the um, Sag Harbor Whaley Museum, they actually have a laminated um, plaque with this manifesto he wrote about the old Whalers festival it's pretty funny and it shellacked like a bad table from the 1970s Slack. so it's Slack very up. very much Slack like up. what you'd see hanging in a bar and i think that was the inspiration for the old whalers festival anyways okay. was the bar the black buoy so it's fitting but they do have it at the, i don't know if it's on view right now but the whaling museum does have that shellacked plaque that's cool and, and you know he also was it in winter of his winter of our discontent that he wrote sort of about people who were, were Sag Harbor. Sag Harbor was sort of the setting for it, right? Sag Harbor was the setting, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not the most flattering portrait, apparently, but... Uh, but probably... But a portrait, nonetheless. And, and maybe accurate. <laughs> maybe not yeah. flattering, but maybe accurate, yeah. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. So do we think there's a good chance this is actually going to come to pass? It's it's a year later after we were talking about it. It seemed very pie in the sky a year ago. This this seems like substantive movement, right? This is this is a good thing. Absolutely. And I again, I I don't know what percentage of the asking price the town is willing to put up, but it's enough that this group has decided to go forward and try to raise the rest. You know, if it's if that's a million dollars or ten million dollars, I don't know. So expect some fundraisers coming up then, right? Absolutely.
Yeah, I, and I would I would think that there would be some kind of not not a not a hard deadline, but there's some urgency. There's definitely urgency, right? Some somebody could. You know, I, I think it's not unusual for a high end property to be on the market for for a year or two, but but then once you get an interested party coming in, um, you know the 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 it's a floor property. You would think the property owners would you know they're they're gonna they're certainly going to entertain any offers, right? Yeah. Um, and not and not put it not put it off just because the town's coming up with a couple million dollars and this organization, you know, hopes to you know ra raise the rest. It takes it can take some time to raise that kind of money. And like Steve says, the, like the if I was a, you know a real estate agent, I would probably use the fact that the town is interested and this group is interested to sort of get buyers to jump on the bandwagon quickly sure. and try to get peace before before it, it disappears. Yeah. Before it disappears, right? Yeah, I mean, they can they can now say, well, the town has offered X, um, so that's the floor. Yeah. You're going to have to outdo that, you know. Um, and you know, another part of this is that I mean, I've never heard of any effort by the family to 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 protect the property. I don't think they had ever showed any interest. No. So you you know the, the I don't re, I, I I don't know if they have come around to the idea. And are willing to wait or or what i mean so time is definitely of the essence but when, when it comes to real estate transactions like this you're it's hard to find out a lot of the details because nobody nobody wants to show their cards right i mean that's part of the yeah. part of the deal yeah yeah so the offer would be like content like so whatever the town can offer and then in addition whatever this organization this group thinks that they can raise on their own right yeah and yeah, so we know that the property they're asking about sixteen point seven million. Do we have any idea what development rights you know could could be per acre in, in Sag Harbor in that area, or, or would that just be a guess? It would be a guess. Yeah. So how does that how does that work? It's they've got to come up with the value of the property as a subdivided into four, and compare that to the you know that would be. That would essentially be what you'd be buying. You'd be taking away that rent. I, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's an issue. The property is long and narrow. You know, it's a. It's out on a spit. You know, and it's. I don't know that you could. You might get two lots out of it. I don't yeah. think you would get four mm -hmm. lots out of it. Maybe for purposes of this, they they assume the worst. They, I think they appraise the property as is. Yeah. You know, and with knowledge that you know it's. You know, there's a house on it. The house just can't be worth, you know, I mean, you know, the, the house is worth a million bucks, even though it's just a little tiny cottage. It's got a dock, you know, I mean, that gives it, it and it's got 580 feet of waterfront or something like that. So, um, you know, and then they have to compare it to other places yeah. that, that have sold. They have some, they've got some names involved now too, right? Colson Whitehead is. Colson Whitehead is the, is, the, yeah, that's right, is like the chairman of the, the fundraising committee. Uh, I spoke with John Avalon last week. I don't know if you know him from the from CNN, and um, who just wrote a book about Lincoln, and I, I can't remember the title. Uh, Lincoln, the peacemaker, I believe. Um, and he, you know, he he lives, you know, reasonably nearby. And and you know, it, his point is that again, it's like you know that this is where Steinbeck lived when so many of these key things in his life occurred, and you know, it's. It's a part of 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 Sag Harbor, and and stuff is has changed so dramatically. It would be really nice to be able to 
see something like that protected. I mean, where you could actually go down there, you know, and do what you did. Yeah. And be able, be and able not, to see the, not, not looking over my shoulder to see if the police were coming. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I could see it being, you know, when you think about it as a writer's retreat, imagine being a young writer who gets the opportunity mm. to go stay in Steinbeck's cottage to, to finish your, your novel. Um, that's a cool, that's a cool way to keep, it's a cool way to pay tribute and, and to sort of keep, keep the spirit alive. In my, in my opinion, that's a great way to, to cause writer's block. <laughs> yeah, right. What am I going to do with these giant pencils? Yeah, a lot of pressure, right? Performance anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you won't be applying then. <laughs> yeah, I definitely won't be. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.